KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Good afternoon. No, good morning. Welcome <laughs> in once again. It is Miller and Condon here on 1460 KXNO. That man laughing on the other side is not Ken Miller. I'm opening the show and already off to a roaring start. It is Ross Peterson have, sitting in. I have this effect on people. Yeah. So uh, sorry, man. And for the legend today, how's it feel, Petey? Uh, the the shoes are big, uh, but uh, luckily the shoulder pads are small. So that, you're, you're in good shape. You're in good shape yeah. over there. Well, we got two hours to talk a little bit of everything here on a late June morning Baseball hot and heavy. we got Women's World Cup going on. The recruiting is heating up for Iowa and Iowa State. And I know, Ross Peterson, you are a huge fan <laughs> of football recruiting during the summer months. So we're set up. Nothing more that I like to talk about, Trent, than guys that might not play for my favorite football team. <laughs> Doesn't do it for you is what you're telling <laughs> you know, me, huh? It's, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's not weird to me. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's weird to care about 18-year-olds. Right, That's right. Not, it's not that. And I don't care that these guys might play for your favorite team and they should care about that. I'm amazed that we haven't learned how often we overreach on this. Mm -hmm. How often we, the Eno Benjamins of the world happen all the time. We get so invested. Think of the amount of time, literal money that was invested by websites, by recruiting sites, by Hawkeye fans searching this stuff out to read about a dude that ended up not even, will never play. For the University of Iowa. Might never play a college football game in the state of Iowa. Might not play a football game in the state of Iowa. Yet we talked about this guy a just, ton. It just seemed like one of the, when it was happening, I was like, you know, if he shows up, I get it. Yeah. Like when yeah. these guys commit, that's when I understand going, whoa, really cool story. Meet this guy. Meet his family. Here's his story. Here's his Twitter. It just seems like a really weird thing when. It goes deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And again, not creepy. I don't mean weird, okay. creepy, weird. I don't understand why people are interested. This isn't Dateline. Let's have a seat over no, here. No, 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 no. And I know no, there okay. are there are there is a segment of the people that don't like recruiting that because attack that. it attack it that way and mm-hmm. think that people that care about recruiting are creeps. I don't think that's the case at all. There's a market for it. There's a huge market for it. Absolutely. We. This is what happens in America. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to fill that void when the market requires for a for a fill. Des Moines Register is. One of almost every newspaper, in fact, every newspaper, let's be honest, even the New York Times and Washington Post, the two papers that still have the most prominent voice, have slashed the, not just editorial staff, but everything in between, including people writing stories. The ones when you open up your newspaper, you click on com slash sports, but they have a recruiting guide, Matthew Bain. Yep. With all of that. Yeah. Two in Iowa, two in Iowa State. You got all kinds of people doing a whole bunch of different things, but for all the cuts that there have been, there is still a opportunity, still a job, and that shows you the importance of recruiting to a lot of people. This is, especially this time of year, as you know, Ross, this is the time in our industry, sports talk radio in our market, becomes a little bit more, it's a different conversation that you have. We're not breaking down games. Yeah. We're not going into that. We'll talk baseball, but I don't think you can talk baseball for two or for you three hours a day. comes pretty tiresome and cumbersome. I think for the listeners, we are looking for these angles, and yeah, it's it's a bit. It's not about these individual players. You know, mm-hmm. when we look at Iowa and the just the recruiting weekend that they had, already a jump start of the class of kids that haven't even began their junior season 
and two commitments there, coupled with what they're doing for next year's 2020 class. And and how different is that? And that's maybe a perspective that I think you can shed a light on. With, with sound off, what you do after the game, you know the people that are out there that love the recruiting. We're not going to break down. Hey, what do you think of Aaron Witt? Do you think he will b- build into a nice defensive end for the Hawkeyes? We're not going to break that down. But what I'm interested in in is Kirk Ferentz and the evolution of him on the recruiting ranks. New signing date now in December. You have to change. And for people that think, Kirk Ferentz, that guy don't want to change. I think what we're seeing this weekend, what we've seen overall really the last two years in terms of recruiting, Kirk Ferentz absolutely will change. Trent, look at the way he's used true freshmen. Mm -hmm. Amir Smith-Marset was not only used as a true freshman, I believe he fumbled in his first uh, touch or one yeah. one of his first touches, he fumbled at a crucial time against Wyoming, and and Josh Allen ten years ago. Done. I would even say five years ago, we might not have seen that <laughs> kid touch the ball in the field for another two years. Yes, I just that and and I'm not blaming Kirk Ferentz for doing that. That guy knows a hell of a lot more about football than we'll ever know. Mm-hmm. But that was what that was just an mo of his. I think Amir Smith Marset's the guy I'd point to to say, look at how much Kirk Ferentz has changed. He not only is recognizing that younger kids are more and more talented, a conversation I know we're going to get into today yeah. about how the talent of these uh, kids, it's increasing faster and faster at a younger and younger age. And these kids are coming out of high school knowing they can be contributors at the Division One level. And if you are a coach stuck in your old stodgy ways who's going to make me redshirt my first year and then sit behind the junior who I'm better than for two years – I'm not coming to your school, and I and I do I don't know this because I but I do believe that's one of the things that Coach Ferentz realized that if I'm going to get a kid like Smith Marset that I think is a special talent that I think has playmaking ability, I've got to not only put the ball in his hands early on, I've got to trust him after he makes some mistakes. So yeah, I completely agree with you, and I think that it it's all of that bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. AJ Epinesa could have dominated that first year, absolutely. And we saw him when he was out there play very well. Right. I think Kirk Ferentz has handled him perfectly. Not only did you keep a real a couple of really good defensive ends around mm-hmm. to, to to serve your team and to get some college football experience and maybe even play professional football, AJ Epinesa is on a path now to be top five pick. A, a top five pick. Maybe higher than that. So it's it's crazy to say, and I know Tua more than likely is going to be number one, but it is not a stretch at all for I'm, Epinesa. I'm you, blanking on the Clemson quarterback. Uh, well, he's still got two years right, remaining, uh, but Trevor he, Lawrence. That's a kid, though, with the talent right now. Mm-hmm. He could, he'd be a top 10 pick. Yes, not a doubt. He would have been after his freshman year. Right, right. And what he did there. It's a different world. College football continues to evolve, and Kirk Ferentz also evolves. Now, Still needs to evolve a little bit more in his own blocking, but that, that's a conversation we'll leave for another time, and we'll get into we that. We had to get one shot in. Well, right, I mean, of, it sounds like we're over here fluffing his pillow. Yeah, well, it's, not, it's not all peaches and rainbows. Is that a term? I think it's a term. It's Lolli- a term that I use. Lollipops and butterfingers, something, I don't know. I like butterfingers. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> all right, Petey. So we got that going on. Baseball last night. Your Yankees do it again. Dude. 27 consecutive games with home runs. It's the Yankees. Yeah, they play 81 games in Yankee Stadium. They got a good porch out there, but it's 27 straight games. I've watched this season, my team, the Minnesota Twins, that have put together a great offense. Up and down that lineup, they're really good. But this is a Yankees team that has battled injury all season long. If 
you would have said that before the year. They're going to tie the major league record for consecutive games with homers. And you look at that lineup and say, sure. But then you come back and say, but they're going to do it without Judge. They're going to do it without Stanton for a big portion of that. Gregarious just coming back. On and on and on. All the injuries up and down. No shot. Yeah. No shot. That lineup's going to get it done. Yet here we are, and if they hit another homer tonight, they will break the MLB record. Yeah, I'm going to uh, – you're right. Let's start at the beginning of the season. You just tell me, all right, this Yankees team is going to set some sort of even Yankee home run mark. Mm-hmm. Say, okay, yeah, you're going to – Aaron Judge going to have a huge year for you. Yes. And then when you tell me, well, and by the way, Edwin Encarnacion is going to join the team. I go, well, so Stanton's got 45. Judge has got 45. Encarnacion must have joined him in April, and he's got 35. No, uh, Glaber Torres is the is what your second leading home run hitter behind Gary Sanchez, Luke Voigt, Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner, and DJ LeMahieu. Not exactly a who's who of baseball. No, not even a who's who of this clubhouse. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it'll be guys like Gio Urshela. Who's that? A guy that was a career quadruple A player at twenty seven years old. That's what. He really looked at but because of all these injuries. He's gone up there. And he's been really, really good. It's it, there have been days I've looked at the I've looked at the box score and I've thought there was a misprint. I've had to go to ESPN and click on a guy in my favorite team of my favorite sport. I've had to click on a dude in the starting lineup to find out who he is, and they're playing incredible baseball. Mm-hmm. It you know the, it, the Yankees that went on the run. That late '90s team, that dynasty, where the core every, four. where right, right, where everybody at that time started talking about how they were buying championships. There's no doubt. There's a big benefit to having a big checkbook. Mm-hmm. Dozens of benefits to doing that. That team was built on assessing talent. The team was built on having a good clubhouse, getting like-minded dudes together, and moving the ball in the same direction. And they built a lot of those guys. They drafted. Uh, the core of that team. That's what I see from this team. Now, I'm, I'm, they obviously didn't draft Glaber Torres. They didn't draft. Uh, let's say I think Sanchez came in on a trade too. Maybe they drafted Sanchez. Okay. Either, either way, mm-hmm. they they're building this team. Yeah. They've built this team of seemingly like-minded dudes, all going in the same direction. They're obviously willing to go out and get dudes like Encarnacion so they can put big pieces into big holes, which other teams can't. One of those benefits of being a uh, having that big checkbook. Mm-hmm. But, dude, they're, ass- they're, they're assessing talent the right way. That's what I love about opening the box score and seeing the dudes that went three for four with a bomb last night, and I don't know who they are. Good place to be. It is. And you, you build the right way. When the window closed four years ago, Instead of being what we've seen in the past with the Yankees, we'll just go spend more. Right. And, and you reach on a couple of guys, or you bring in some aging superstars that aren't superstars on the field anymore, and you try to cobble together. And in today's environment, you can do that, and you can win 87 games and maybe nab one of the wild cards, and then comes a one-game playoff to get into the actual bracket, and there you go. But for what? Instead, you break it down, trade away Chapman to get Glaber. Glaber, right. That helps. And... You, you get away, rid of a couple of those pieces, and then you build it quickly right back up. Mm-hmm. And you stock that farm system. It, it has to be done from the Royals and what we saw from them four or five years ago. Right. What the Twins are doing right now for these mid-market White, teams. White Sox. Yes, they're, yeah. they're 
still probably a year or two away, but that's what they did. It is a complete breakdown if you're a, a mid-market or small-market team. The Yankees are different the way they did it, yeah. but they still did it the correct way. When you have that window that is closed, don't reach, sell away your assets, build the minor league system, and you come right back. Trent, this is not even thought of, man. It's amazing what the analytics have done to make for parity in baseball. We aren't seeing it play out yet, but I think in the next couple of years, in the next five years, we will see that you will see a lot more parity. Because the best farm systems in baseball right now, I mean, we didn't mention the Padres. Yes. Another team... There's a bunch of these small market teams. The Brewers the, have done it. The Brewers are a good one. Yes. The Rays looked like they had somehow stumbled into it this year. <laughs> All of this analytics, and again, the talent getting better and better at an earlier and earlier age, it's leveling the playing field mm-hmm. very quickly. Right. And in the next few years, when the White Sox and the Padres and the Twins are still around, the Yankees will still have that benefit of being able to come in and swoop these dudes up. Mm-hmm. But man, we can build that culture... That's when it. That, that's when you're in the sweet spot. Playing together. Yeah. That's an important thing. And and building team count. You know the the old what was it the '70s Yankees the 25 guys in 25 cabs, where there wasn't a whole lot there. Right. It's a different era. I mean, you you see this in baseball. Hmm. There is there is a certain you can measure so many things and anything anymore and the analytic nature of sports and and what it's become. And I enjoy that. I'm not deep into it. I'm not here making my own algorithms and those types of things. Right. But but I do enjoy at least reading about it and learning about it a little bit more and those kind of things. Still, with all that being said, there there is that component that you can't measure. It, heart, teamwork, whatever it is, whatever those things, there is not a measurable quantity for that. Mm. And that's why these games still are not played inside of computers. They are played on a field, actual human beings, human being umpires and referees and all kinds of different things, all these parts that, that play together. So... I think there is something to being said about that, not just going out and spending money, but actually building a team, building youngsters that know each other and know how to play with each other. You still do fantasy baseball? Oh, yes. Mm. It's another yeah. way to gamble. Of course I do, Ross. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I gave it up a couple years ago. You after, did? Yeah, I did. We had a league with buddies. Was it buddies. Too, too much for you? It just, I, didn't, I, I did not have the time to dedicate to it to be competitive. Which you have to if in you, baseball. In, yes. Especially in the, you know, we had a league that had been around for 15 years mm-hmm. and had all sorts of keeper rules and contracts and wonderful stuff. Wonderful, wonderful league. It just became too much with family and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and so it wasn't worth it to have the first draft pick every year. Right. <laughs> you're just you're donating. Donating cash to yeah, my buddies. To we then, love those people. And, it, well, and until you get like, you know, the way a league evolves, eventually one of your friends falls out mm-hmm. and some dude is like, hey, a guy I work with wants yep. to join the league. Yes, yes. So now you got Tyler, who you've never heard of. Yes. Right. And Tyler, the guy. and Tyler ends up winning my money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out. That's not as fun. It's, I, I'm out. Yeah. I'm not giving I never met the dude. And that guy's got spreadsheets upon spreadsheets and he, he's got everything. And that's what he does actually at work all day. Right. Because he works on his fantasy team. Right. Instead of doing whatever he's supposed to be doing. I hope I don't have a Tyler in our league. I don't want. <laughs> I, I really was bit. pulling the name out of my butt there. Some, some dude's mad now. I love fantasy baseball. I love fantasy sports in general. I love gambling. I love. I just love sports. Any different angle of sports. Yeah. I just get into it. I, I don't know what it is. Now, Canada has always had a famous line about uh, women's soccer. Uh-huh. You know, that if women's soccer was happening in his backyard, he'd pull the shades. Well, that's not women's soccer. Oh, it's not women's soccer? No, I think that's more basketball. He's oh, not... basketball. Yes. I thought that he was... He is a huge women's soccer fan. Seriously. He loves the really? World Cup. Really? Yeah. 
Like oh, he, I was way off then. Now I feel bad. I thought that was one of the things. No, he, no, oh. not, not for women's soccer. He, oh, man. He will watch. I, I know he's been watching. He was very disappointed. I think he was going to be traveling during the the match, not yesterday, but the day previous, the yeah. game previous for the U.S. team. Yeah, he gets into the soccer. Uh, I, wow. We're very no similar. I wish I was at times more into soccer. I wish I had a Premier League team. I wish I had something like that. I don't. I don't know if I ever will, but every four years on the men's side, I get into it. Every four years on the women's side, I get into it. But that's about it. It's international soccer, and that's as far as I go. Yeah. How about you? It has an Olympic feel. Like yeah, you, you yeah, get yeah. that, you know, I, I'm as much of a women's national team fan as I am a curling fan. Yeah. Where it comes in, get excited, but you're not you going to. You put those stars and stripes on, man, and I'm yeah. a sucker. I'm a, I'm a right sucker for it. for it right away. Like, uh, you bet. Play the national anthem. I'll get teary-eyed, and I'll be <laughs> pumping my fist and cussing out the commies you're playing. And Gymnastics. I, doesn't matter. Yes. If, yeah, if it's an international competition, yes. I, I get sucked in right away. So this is doing it for us. Absolutely. And now we go against the host country in the quarters in France. Yesterday, not a, a great one. No. Nope. Or to the team. They just, they controlled it. They got the goal early, gave up one, then just a couple minutes later, and it was 1-1 throughout most of it. But two goals, both on penalty kicks. It just, they felt off. And do you think this dates back to game one, where it just, some of the pressure is mounting on this team. 13 match now winning streak in the World Cup. But you had this extra layer that was added upon it. Hmm. And there's a couple of layers there. Not only do you have that happening, and that became a big international story, but also what's happening back here in the States with the men's and the women's side and how financially things are are divvied up. And there's been continued conversation about how ratings go, the money that comes in that ESPN and Fox and the other entities pay to the U.S. Soccer Federation, yet the men's side makes a lot more than the women's. And this is an ongoing now court case Seems like there's a lot of layers here, and I don't know if it showed up or it was just one of those games, but it did feel like, at least to me watching yesterday, that the U.S. was feeling some extra added pressure. I hadn't even thought of all of that, uh, Trent, as far as going back to that first game with this. You know, the, and the, the money stuff, God, it's been going on for 20 years now. Yeah. There's a really good, I mention these all the time, I hope people don't get sick of me doing this. There's a really good podcast out there about the rise of the women's team the okay. women's national team it's called Backpass. it's a 30 for 30 podcast okay and it goes in pretty deep into the history of how this all evolved so quickly mm-hmm. and i do i think that it's not an excuse i think there's a reason why it's still lagging behind and it's and it is simply history i mean the 1998 would that be right world yes. cup yep was sponsored by m&ms m&ms it was the M&M World Cup. I mean, this, just to give you know, like a candy sponsored the World Cup 20 years ago for these ladies. Different world. Different. We're in a, it, things have changed rapidly, but this is one thing that's still lagging behind. Mm-hmm. I think in the next 10, 15 years, I would hope that things start to level off a little bit more. Yeah. It's, it is gross right now to think of how successful the women's national team has been, how unsuccessful by comparison the men's team has been, and how adverse the relationship is with money for that. And I would get it if the TV ratings didn't reflect it, if the stadiums during qualifiers, international friendlies, those types of things didn't show it. But the women's team is right there in terms of television ratings. They are right there in terms of attendance and ticket prices for those events here in the country. The World Cup's its own entity. The the international play, it's its own entity. But 
when it breaks down there. This is not NBA WNBA, and they should be paid. That this is right. not right where you've got anything yeah, close to that. Five hundred people in the stands, as opposed to you know, yes, twenty five thousand. This right. is much more like the tennis tour, and how going back again that probably same period, twenty five thirty years ago, when that started to become a bigger conversation, we saw the men's side really take Good. a step back, right. and all of a sudden the women's side was outrating them. Yet the purses were completely different. Mm-hmm. That is equaled, and I think we're going to get there. Just with, take... that, the 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 tennis comparison is perfect, Trent. That's it really good. There. It took a while. Yep, but it I got think there, that's what I think that's what will happen. Here. It's not a defense of why it is the way it is. I think it just is the reason for why it is the way it is. For contracts move slow. People mm-hmm. hold on to their money, man. Yeah, everybody does. We're all greedy. I'm just being. I'm just bad at being greedy. <laughs> Uh, some people are really good at being greedy, and they end up in charge of FIFA. There they are. Oh, yes. What What was the bladder? Seth Bladder. Seth Bladder. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, he knows pull. how to run a company. Good Woo. pull. Make some money at the very least. We're out of here. <laughs> we got a break coming back on the other side. We're going to change the conversation coming up next. So going to get into some college football. Ben Kirchival is going to join us about a month away, a little less than a month away now, SEC and Big hmm. 12 Media Days, Big 10 after that. Football, it is coming. Where's, you, where's UConn kicking off? Ah, where will they be? And UCLA to the ACC? Oh, that's out there, too. <laughs> I'm coming back with more on the other side. It's Miller and Condon. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon continues. 1460 KXNO. Here with you until noon today. Ken back on Thursday from Vegas. Ross Peterson sitting in for him. Ross, know you're a huge college football fan. College football offseason, do you like the cleansing part of it? Do you like, I'm just talking with our next guest, Ben Kirchival, there in the break. He likes this time, open up the mind, recharge a little bit. Boy, I miss football, though. Yeah, I would agree with Ben, though. I think this is, you can't you can't enjoy the light without the darkness, right? Yeah, and yeah. so. Uh, but I not only do I appreciate this because it makes me enjoy the football season more. I love that we get a chance to talk to football coaches this time of year. It's a totally different conversation. Yes, you you actually get to talk to a guy that's a football coach, not a football coach that's on the radio with you, which is what happens during the season. Because sure. these guys are so locked into everything. And I do feel like this time of year. Even though they're still busy, they, they, they're out chasing and there's wild west of recruiting that we all know about means it's a 365 day a year job. It's just a different pace right now. And I'd, I'd agree with Ben. I, I enjoy this kind of change up to the fastball we have in the fall. Well, Ben, welcome in once again. Ben Kirchival with CBSSports.com. Ben, a while. And Ben, I don't think we have talked since your beloved AAF went away for life. Are, are you holding up okay? I, I know you love the America, the Alliance of American Football. I already forget how quickly it passes. You doing okay, Ben? Yeah, man. I still have a job. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's true. You know, like everyone, I got that question a lot. Like, are, are you okay? You know, it's a, how do you, I'm like, look, man, it was a, it was a beat. You know, I, I covered it and, and I, I went in knowing that, look, you know, one of two things is going to happen. Either it's, it's going to, you know, really pick up and it's going to have a, a pretty successful future or it's going to dissolve after probably one season. I mean, it's just, it was a startup company. Uh, it was an LLC, you know, at its heart. And uh, companies go under every single year by the, by the thousands. 
um, for myriad reasons. And um, obviously the AAF uh, went under a lot of financial and power struggle problems. And that's, uh, you know, not a, not an uncommon tale. Um, the, the downside, the, the really sad part is, you know, they have, I think, over a thousand employees and, you know, suddenly, and you know, the risks going into it, but I, I think a lot of people who joined, uh, you know, that league thought, you know, we were going to have, you know, a few years to, to really see if this was going to work. And then all of a sudden the rug kind of gets pulled out from underneath of you after just a few months and, uh, just a lot of work put in and a lot of really good people then without a job. So, I always deflect it. I say, you know, they're the ones, if, you, if you're going to be praying at night, they're the ones who you got to do it for. And you talking to uh, about coaches uh, coming out of the break, it, you know, it wasn't hiring season for assistant coaches. Oh, yeah. It wasn't. And at the NFL, college, I mean, those, those staffs have already been set. I was talking to one coach from the Birmingham team, and, you know, he's been around a lot, a bunch of different places. And he's like, you know, I'm throwing my resume out there talking to people, but, you just, it's just quiet. You know, you're not going to hear anything. And, um, and then for them, because they were at will contracts, you know, their pay is just, it's just done. You know, at the end of April, it's done. And they're not getting the rest of their year contracts, even though, you know, if you know anything about coaching, you do almost all your work during the season. So it's, uh, it was, it was tough for people like them. For me, it was like, all right. Move on to that. Move on to the next thing. So it's, uh, but then you go from college football season season straight into that, and you know once May rolled around, I was like, God, man, I I need a vacation. I need to just like go away for a little bit. I just, I worked like nonstop seven days a week for like nine months. You're gonna go in and fight for that XFL beat, Ben, or does this? Uh, uh yeah, probably. Yeah? I mean, I know some people already over there. I mean, Moose uh, Johnston just went and, and joined the Dallas team, and you know he and I were. were pretty close when he was running san antonio so yeah i mean i I think so it's uh it's another complimentary football league although i guess i I would say the xfl probably more of a direct competitor to the nfl than the aaf was aaf wanted to have the nfl in in its pocket where they could have a collaborative relationship you know the xfl is looking at you know doing things differently doing its own thing do we try to get kids you know where they don't have to wait three years uh Away, you know, away from high school to get in, and so could we get them in theoretically a little bit earlier? So um, now you're never going to be the NFL, but I, I think their approach is just a, a little bit different, and obviously, just with with Vince, it's it's a it's a whole other beast. So I, I find it interesting, and I, I tell you, I if I can win that beat, I, I hope it's because you know people kept telling me when the whole AF thing started off, like. I, I just don't think it's going to work. Well, his, historically speaking, that's true. It, you know, none of these have ever worked because there's, you know, only ever been, you know, one, you know, enough room for one league with the NFL. But, you know, there wasn't fantasy football like there is now. There wasn't gambling like there is now. I mean, there there's enough of a niche, I think, from a degenerative standpoint, where I, I think if you play it right, someone's, someone's going to do it and succeed. And it might be this XFL. Ben Kirchival joining us, CBSSports.com, Miller and Condon on KXNO, Ross Peterson in for Ken. All right, Ben, let's jump to college football and, and right in your stomping grounds down there in Texas. It has been a locomotive that has continued down the tracks here after the win against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, and that is the Texas Longhorns. Longhorns are back challenging not just for the Big 12 title here in 2019, but challenging for the college football playoff. Are people gone too far? Are you... 
Are you buying in what everybody seemingly is selling down in Texas and, and across the land that the Longhorns are a real contender here in 2019? I'm actually selling that stock. Uh, it's, it's not because of, of some narrative. It's, I, I think their biggest question mark going into the season is in the trenches. I think they have offensive line questions. They have to replace three starters from last, like last year, last couple of years, they really finally built up an offensive line, which, you know, had sort of become a running joke at the end of the Mac Brown era going into the Charlie Strong era. Hadn't had an offensive lineman drafted in like 10 years, but they really finally started to build that up and they had some quality guys there where they, they lose them. They, they do return their center. They get a grad transfer at guards. I mean, they have a couple of pieces to build around, but otherwise they don't have a lot of experience. And if there's one position where I, I tend to sort of sell a little bit. If, if I think there's a question mark, it's, it's offensive line. Outside of quarterback, I think that's the one area where it really could be more problematic than you think. Um, and then on the defensive side, they have to replace some D linemen too. So I, I'm talking about a team in the trenches that just has a lot of new faces. I'm not saying they don't have talent or that they can't pick it up over the course of time. I, I, I just think specifically with the offensive line, that takes time to gel and uh, and you just you have to get that together. And with the way that Sam Ellinger runs the ball, the way that he, he kind of directs that offense, if he goes down, I mean, you're just talking about a whole world of problems. So to me, the, the margin for error for them is just a little bit more razor thin than I would like. So they'll still win games. You know, they'll still probably win at least eight or nine games. You know, are they going to have the, the 10 wins probably necessary to get to the Big 12 title? Uh, I don't know about that. So I'm going to sell on them. I do think it'll be a really, you know, good season for them. But now, because they won 10 games, you know, won the Sugar Bowl, the days of Tom Herman being able to overachieve are, are over, right? And I mean, now is the time where, you know, they're going to be expecting that every single season. Ben Kirchival here with us as we talk some college football. All right, in the Big 12, let's stay right there. And I want to jump into the local team, Iowa State. Expectations, about as big as they've ever been, certainly in, in my four decades on this planet. I can't remember the kind of expectation, not just from Iowa State fans, that's seemingly always there. A very optimistic group is Iowa State, but the national media. Of course, a lot of that has to do with the head coach, Matt Campbell, quarterback Brack, back and Brock Purdy, and on and on and on. That defense is legit, in my mind. It is the best defense in the Big 12. But expectations can be a different te- a different type of I don't know it just it feels like that can linger a little bit in an off season how do you think Matt Campbell and company are going to handle it well actually they were I think 12 to 1 odds I would have taken those odds to I think to win the big 12 title um I mentioned I was selling on Texas I'm buying on Iowa State I think it really would not surprise me if your big 12 title this year is Oklahoma and Iowa State um you mentioned Brock Purdy defense is, is obviously coming back and they were very very good a year ago uh, offensive line's coming back. For the, for the same reason that I'm kind of selling on Texas, I'm, I'm buying on Iowa State. I, I would sooner, even though Dave Montgomery and Hakeem Butler were two really great players, they're going to be tremendous NFL career guys. Um, and, and those losses certainly are important, and you're not getting better at those positions without them, and I, I fully understand that. But if you were to say, well, what would you rather have back, your, your running back and, and wide receiver or your offensive line? I would rather take the offensive line and, and trust in Matt Campbell and his staff's ability to, to develop uh, another, you know, either 
solid, you know, running back or running back by committee or, you know, finding guys at wide receiver to, to kind of fill those gaps. I would much rather have them do that than try to say, okay, we have to completely rebuild the offensive line. So to me, the impact of those players, while, while big, is probably not as much as if they had to replace an entire front. So I actually like them a lot, and I think they have all the pieces necessary. Everyone's going to be focusing on Texas, but again, I think low-key they have some problems. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, you never know what you're going to get out of them in a given year. TCU's kind of the same thing. Baylor is still sort of building up under Matt Rule. So on top of, I think, having the talent and, and just the, the coaching staff, everything going there, I think you're also in a rare window where you can actually make it happen. I mean, sometimes for a program like Iowa State, you just need other things externally to happen around you to make it work. And I think they're in one of those windows right now. As we transition to the Big Ten, I think uh, this would be a fun place to throw in our friends from UConn. Both Illinois <laughs> and Indiana showing up in the non-con for, uh, well, finally know why I'm calling it non-conference. It might all be non-conference for UConn. <laughs> yeah. What happens here in three months when they go to kickoff, Ben? For UConn? For UConn. The season as is for 2019, right? Yeah. Are you are you asking? I'm asking. Uh, what do you? Yeah, the future of UConn football. Where where where, oh. where does it go? Well, well, I think they'll try FBS independent for at, at least a little while. You know, probably two or three years. Um, I mean, they look. They to their credit, they they poured money and resources into that program. I mean, that their uh, their football field's in the middle of a freaking airfield, but it's a nice like it's a nice football stadium. I mean, it's it's small and everything, and no one really shows up, but it's like a nice facility. Um, I think people would be surprised to, to know that UConn actually has you know, a decent football stadium. Um, you know, and they've made the move up um, for a while now, and, and they've really given it a go. And it's just, it's just really hard. Unless you have a guy like Dino Babers, I mean, Northeast football is just freaking hard um, anymore. It's just hard to get the players. And when you're down, it's really hard to get out of, of that type of, of rut. So, and with... Uh, with UConn, or excuse me, with Syracuse doing well, with Army doing well, it's just it's really hard to to get people to be excited about UConn. But I think they're going to try FBS for a little while um, as an independent. I don't think you go to the MAC. I don't think you go to like Conference USA or anything like that. I think you just try to 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 make the best of the situation. At some point, I think they'll drop back down to to FCS, but not before really exhausting all of their efforts try to keep this thing going. I think you're going to see uh, in-season home-and-homes with UMass and UConn in football yeah. going forward, playing that independent level of football. All right, Ben, mentioning the uh, Ross did there, the Big Ten. The Big Ten West. Got Wisconsin, who's been the heavy hand. Northwestern won the division a year ago. Iowa-Nebraska fighting to get up there. Purdue relevant again. And maybe the Gophers on the right track with P.J. Fleck. I, I think you can make an argument for six of the seven teams to win this division. It's not going to be yeah. the strongest division, but Sort it out. Do you, do you have a team you like the most in the Big Ten West this year? Well, you know, to say it's not the strongest division, maybe so. I mean, obviously the East is more top-heavy, but I, I would argue that the West is a deeper division. Um, I mean, they, I think they have, like you said, probably six bowl-eligible teams just out of that division. So I, I think there's just going to be a lot going around. You know, everyone's favorite is probably Nebraska. I say favorite. Maybe it's more of like a trendy sort of, sexy pick mm-hmm. and if you follow what scott frost did at ucf i mean he really 
you know, pick things up at, at UCF in, in year two. I think that's when they went undefeated. And um, I, I'll say this. If Adrian Martinez is on this track that, I, that everyone thinks he's on, he is a rare playmaker that I just don't know, maybe other than what Ohio State might have with, with Justin Fields. I, no one else in the Big Ten right now at quarterback can make the plays that he can make. I mean, he did things last year extending the play where you just you watch it and you go like, holy cow, that's, that's special. That's a rare type of athlete um, who could make people miss in the open field, and, um, and that gives you a chance to win. You know, assuming you don't have a, a dog crap team around you, I mean, that gives you a chance to win pretty much every single game. So I'm going to go with Nebraska. The way that they played the second half of last season, I thought they, you know, they really showed a lot of improvement. Maybe the wins didn't always follow, but I really liked what I saw out of them. You give Scott Frost another full offseason, give Adrian Martinez a little bit more time to develop. And, you know, with, with the West, maybe eight or nine wins does it. I mean, if there, there's as much parity as we're talking about, there's probably going to be losses going around. You know, you might not have to win 10 games to come out of that division. Ben, I'm not as high on Nebraska or Minnesota as a lot of people, but I do find myself, as I read some publications and listen to some uh, prognosticators, I seem to be higher on Purdue. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think Purdue takes a step back this year. Where, where, where do you see the Boilermakers? Well, I think I think some people thought Purdue was going to take a step back last year. I mean, obviously, Rondell Moore came in. But, yeah. but you know, if you go back to Brom's um, first year at Purdue, they were really, really good because of, of their defense. And and I think, you know, you know, coming into this year, you know, can they sort of keep building up on, on that side of the ball? I still think they'll be very, very good. And, and Rondell Moore, I mean, my God, the guy is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think he'll give you, like he gave him a couple of, certainly a couple of wins last year. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think one thing they still lack is a lot of speed. Now, you know, you go back to the bowl game against Auburn, that's not always the best example because it's sort of apples and oranges, and, and Auburn has a ton of speed. But I think you just saw an example of like, okay, they're a very well-coached team. Moore is very, very good. But overall, I, I think your, your team speed just isn't quite where it needs to be yet. I think they'll be good this year, another bowl-eligible team. I, I don't know that they're, they're quite where they need to be to really be a, a, a Big Ten West winner. Do they finish ahead of Minnesota? Uh, I don't know, man. Third That's place, tough. fourth place in the Big Ten <laughs> right. West is like, just, <laughs> it's just a shuffle. It is. Everyone, yeah. Everyone's like four and four. It's like the A's, it's just, I don't know. I think you hit sure. it on the head, Ben. It's a deep division. And the, the, you've got, I think, five teams that could legit- How about a six-way tie at five and four? You got the tiebreaker Please down for that God, one, Ben? That. <laughs> I've always, I've always, I've prayed for either that or like the ACC. I always get this division mixed up like 10 years later, but it's like, it's like the, Coastal or I don't know whatever one pit is in. Uh, there, everyone's. I'm like I'm praying for like the five, like the four and four, just like across the board for everybody, and you got to figure that out. I'm praying for the same thing with the Big Ten West. Like there's parity. I want everyone to win like the exact same number of games. Gets, so I'm yeah. I'm totally here for it. Gets to like the 17th tiebreaker. Oh, that'd or something. be so good. Yeah. And the hand yeah. rigging here and, and across the Big Ten West. Oh, that would be good. Sign me up for that. Ben Kirchival, sign me up at CBSSports.com for all the summer articles in 20 days away from SEC Media Days. We are getting there. Thanks so much for your time today, Ben. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. I'm on Twitter at Ben Kirchival. College football talk. It's possible. Five and four. 
with all these teams? I'm with Ben. I, I we agree on a lot of things. Realistically, I, I believe there is going to be a multiple tie at six and three in the Big Ten West. I'm, I don't see any of these teams going seven and two. I'm almost always a fan for chaos when mm-hmm. we get into these situations. Yeah. When you get a point where it's like, man, if we could if there's a four way tie and then like Lystico, he'll be here mm-hmm. tomorrow doing Hawk Central. Lystico what he he glosses over, he gets that shark look on his face when there's gonna be like a fourteen way tie tie or something he gets to you get out the big 10 handbook that you had put away he's from got media a, days he's you got, got go alg- that. algorithms for algorithms Trent. wow how much fun is that i'm gonna be at big 10 media days myself and ken will be there and you'll be golfing that day at Hackfest. talk about bad timing this year normally big 10 media days monday tuesday Hackfest was set up we said yep we're in big 10 media days and they moved it to thursday friday this year yeah. Awful. Yeah, yeah. Hackfest is a lot of fun, man. I know we saw a few slots open. I hear yeah. the promo is still running, so I that that lets me know that you can still sign up. It's we have a blast out there. Um, my sister in law is getting married that Saturday. Oh, okay. So we have a rehearsal dinner that night. Ooh. So I'm going to be well lubricated. <laughs> <laughs> going to be a fun one. Buckle up. Coming up here, Hackfest. You can get more information. KXNO.com. Sign up your team. We'll get a timeout coming back. Put a cap on hour one. It's Miller and Condon. Not- Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Wrapping up hour number one, Miller and Condon continues on KXNO. Fun never ends here, Ross Peterson. Now, how long have you been here? I've uh, worked 15 years. 15, 15 years. years. Yeah, been in the building now for about 12. And you just saw something that you've never uh, seen before? Yeah. Now, yeah. you're not on this side of the <laughs> yeah. glass very often. You know, we get to, there, things happen and dead air happens. And you're, we're all running around doing five jobs, right? Yes. And so I didn't know what, I just say, hey, TC, something's going on in there. And yeah, it was. We found, yeah, we'll we'll get to the bottom of that, though. I, the funny thing is, I'm actually texting with AD right now, because uh-huh. he just sent me a text. He's like, hey, because when there is dead air, yes. for fe- folks who don't know, longer mm-hmm. than three seconds of dead air, Yep. Andrew Downs gets a phone call. So if you take a long pause while we're conversing. It's like if we just sit here for a second. Andrew's getting a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, AD. <laughs> So anyway, he just sent me a text like, "Hey, got the dead air call. See what's up." So I've already we've already let the boss know, and now he will send that up the ladder, and then you know what comes back down the ladder. We'll get back into sports here, <laughs> sports radio programming uh, influences as finish for the day. Second hour, we got baseball talk. Zach Reimer's going to stop by. I want to begin the hour, Ross, with the conversation you and I have had a little bit before, but it's going deeper, high school level. Maybe a changing of the way that we set up the team, set up the classes in high school sports. That's next on Miller & Condon.